to notice verse 13 of Romans chapter 10, one of the most well-known verses, commonly quoted verse in the Bible. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a great promise right there. But then notice the next verse. It says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So we see a great promise there in Romans 10.13 that whoever calls on the Lord, they will be saved. But it tells us they can't believe in somebody or they can't call on somebody in whom they've not believed. And they can't believe in somebody that they have not heard about and they can't hear about somebody unless there is a preacher. And so the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of them that bring the gospel of peace and spread glad tidings of good things. That is a great passage of Scripture right there. And throughout the Bible, it's very clear in the New Testament, we see that the way to spread the gospel, it is, it's, it's with our feet and with our mouth. We've got to get on the move. We've got to go out. We've got to spread the gospel. And that's how we do it here. You know, we, do a lot of, we do a lot of evangelism, a lot of door knocking, a lot of soul winning. And many of you that are here today in this church, I mean, you were reached by soul winning. Somebody came from here and we knocked on your door. And you know, some of you got saved quick. Some of you took a little while. But you know what? Either way, you're here. And you got saved. You're on your way to heaven. And the Bible is very clear about the method to go out and preach the gospel. But one thing that we're seeing, and this is something that I, I guess it came around in the 90s according to one thing I read, we see kind of taking over. And it really, it saddens me that this is such a big thing in America, especially after hearing Brother Trembley talk about what it's like in China. You know, we've got so much freedom in this country, you know, that I, I, am, I am legally, I can just go up to a stranger's door. I can knock on that door. I can do it. I, we can carry Bibles with us. We can pass those Bibles out wherever we want. I mean, we can distribute tracts and flyers. I, I mean, we, I'm, I'm live streaming this service. All over the internet where people can watch. I can say whatever I want. I can talk about our country. I can say the things I don't like and, uh, the, about our country. And I have no fear of being arrested for these things. Okay? You can't do that everywhere in the world. I mean, the worst I have ever gotten in this community when trying to spread the gospel is just cussed out a little bit. That's it. That, that's, that's the worst I've ever gotten. Nobody has ever even physically laid hands on me in this country, I don't have to worry about that. Yet, even though we live in this country, we have Americans that are coming up with all these new ways that we can spread the gospel, new, easier, less confrontational ways, and ways that I believe are very, very ineffective. And what I want to talk about this morning is the foolishness of lifestyle evangelism. Because that's what's taken over. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to have a good lifestyle. Alright, we need to have a good testimony. That will greatly help. If you have a bad testimony, good luck being a good witness. Alright? But don't you think that just because you have a good testimony, that means you're going to be bringing people to Christ. It, it just, it doesn't work. And I want to show you some things about it. But lifestyle evangelism, if you're not familiar with it, it's an evangelism strategy that it focuses on living a, a holy life among unbelievers with the goal of attracting people to the message of salvation. You know, it's like if we just smile enough, you know, just are 
impressive enough, people are just going to come running to us saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know, that's like the attitude we think. You know, we don't think about the fact, too, that when the Apostle Paul had that happen to him, which that's a pretty rare thing, it's interesting that he was in prison when that happened. All right? And he was in prison for spreading the gospel with his feet, with his mouth, not just because he was living a holy life. All right? that, you know, it's, it's amazing the way people will twist things to just make everything easy. But from what, some things I was reading about lifestyle evangelism, it became popular in the 1990s uh, from a book uh, by Joe Aldrich. Uh, called Lifestyle Evangelism. And it has. It's gotten very popular and it's it's really spreading in churches. And many people are getting away from soul winning in churches. And I personally believe that Lifestyle Evangelism has proven to be an epic failure. And there's many reasons for that. One, I believe it's a clear violation of the Scriptures. We just read the passage. It says in there, you know, how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay? We think, well, you know, Pastor Tom, you're the preacher. You're, you know, you preach from the pulpit every Sunday. People can hear you. But is most of the town here with us today? Absolutely not. You heard him mention in Sunday school how what they have to do, they have to, they teach their people, you know, you need to go, you need to get them saved. I mean, exactly what he was explaining how they do it over in China is actually what we should be doing here in America. Alright? But what a lot of churches are doing today, we've got to figure out a way to make our services more appealing to the lost. So we've got to update our music. You know, we've got to, you know, we've got to, you know, be a little more trendy in uh, how we look and how we dress. We've got to fit in with the culture and, you know, do whatever we can to make things comfortable for the lost so they will come in and hear the gospel. No, actually, the Bible says how beautiful are the feet of them. That bring the gospel. We're supposed to be going out to them and getting them saved, and then we bring them in. Okay? I personally think that strategy he's using in China is what we should be using in America, personally. Obviously, and it should be even easier over here. We don't have a lot of the things working against us that they do over there. But the Bible is very clear on the methods to be done. We see him in the Bible. Jesus sent his disciples, they would go from house to house. We see the Apostle Paul. He talked about how he went from house to house. That was a common method that they used. But people do. They look, they're like, no, I like the lifestyle evangelism. If we're just impressive enough, if we just let our light shine, you know, they'll go to uh, verses like Matthew chapter five and verse sixteen. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and turn over there since you brought that up. Matthew chapter five verse sixteen. I can see what y'all are thinking. All right, but it says, "Let your light so shine before men." that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So they like to take that, you know, and that's how we do it. You know, they're going to see our good works. They're just going to come, they're just going to come running to us. But here's the thing with that, all right? Once again, it, you, need, you do need both, all right? You do need to follow, you know, keep the commandments. You do need to have a good testimony. People aren't going to, your, your neighbor is not going to listen to your gospel message if you just cussed them out the day before. Alright? If he hears you, you know, beating your wife, if he hears you all screaming, he sees you out drunk, he's probably not going to listen to you. But just because the Bible tells us we need to be a light, notice this here, it's not telling us, you know, just how to get people saved. It's just talking about getting them to glorify God. But the Bible, but people often bring up the fact too that, well, we're ambassadors. Alright? And we are. We represent Christ on earth. People often make the statement, you know, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. Okay, and there's some truth to that too, but at the same time, turn over to John chapter 12 and verse 44. Okay, I, I agree 
that we are ambassadors. People often bring that up as if being ambassadors means we just you know, live the lifestyle. We don't spread the message. That actually doesn't even make sense. And I've heard people use this argument and I think it's very weak. But look at what it says in John 12, verse 44. It says, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on Me believeth not on Me, but on Him that sent Me. And he that seeth Me seeth Him that sent Me. I am come a light into the world. Alright? Remember what we saw in Matthew 5? It said, you're a light. Alright? You're the light of the world. Jesus says here, I am come a light into the world. Alright? So what does it mean to be a light? What does that mean? What does that do? Well, let's see how you know, Jesus, I believe, actually specifies it even more. He says, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on Me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear My words... And believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to the world to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. And the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. I want you to notice in this passage here how the Bible says we're a light in the world, Matthew 5. But Jesus says here that He was a light that was sent to the world. And notice how Jesus made a really big deal about how I have to speak exactly what the Father spoke. Alright? Exactly what He sent me to say is what I have to say. Nothing else. He's like, hey, I'm not the one here that's judging, alright? And people love to use that. You know, Jesus never judges. And you know, I'm not going to judge you either. But he, you know, notice how He did say, hey, there is one that judges. Talking about the Father. Jesus did not come to the earth to condemn the earth. The earth was already condemned. Jesus came to die on the cross. Jesus came to pay for the sins of mankind. And Jesus, while He was on this earth, He spread the exact message of the Father. He didn't come with His own message. He didn't come in His own name. He came to do the will of the Father to spread the message of salvation that we would believe on Him. So you realize, if Jesus Christ is a light, and we're a light in the same way, shouldn't we be doing things exactly the way Jesus said? Shouldn't we be speaking exactly the words that Jesus said to speak? And how is it that we see throughout the Bible that we are told... To spread the gospel. Is it, just, is it just through our lifestyle or is it through preaching the gospel? We see very clear instructions to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We see there in Romans 10 when it talks about preaching the gospel, it mentions the feet. Because a lot of times people think that preaching is just what I'm doing right here. It's something that just the pastor does. But actually, preaching is something that is done with our feet. In other words, we're on the move. We're going to them. Okay, it, we have a church here. We advertise the best we can to try to get people to come here and listen to us. But you know what? We're not just going to wait for them to come here. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go to them. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible has commanded. We've got, we've got to go to them. And so the Scripture is very clear on how this works. And you know we're fools to think that we've figured out a way that's better than God's way. We're nuts to think that, and, but many people do. It's like, well, we, you know, we've got to get with the times. We've got to adapt to the culture. 
I'm sorry. The message is still the same. People still get saved the same way through faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't believe we need to be changing the methods and, and going against what the Bible clearly taught. But lifestyle evangelism, in many ways, it's counterproductive. Okay? Look, go, turn over Romans chapter 7, verse 18. It said, if you're just focused on lifestyle evangelism, you're actually going to end up shooting yourselves in the foot. Okay? Look what Paul said about himself. Paul, the greatest Christian that we would call the greatest Christian probably. He says, For I know, in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Okay? Paul didn't speak real highly of himself. Paul had a lot of negative things to say about himself. Why? Because he had this sinful flesh. Well, here's the thing. if With lifestyle evangelism, what are we doing? We're getting them to look at us. Okay? We're trying to get them to look at us. But what is our job as Christians? We're supposed to be pointing them to Jesus Christ. And if we're focused just on our lifestyle, all right, you know, what can we do? What can we do to make ourselves more attractive to the community? Well, here's the problem with that. How closely do we want them looking at us? Because I, I hate to reveal this. You know, we've got visitors here today. But you know what? You all got some issues. Y'all aren't perfect. I don't think we want them looking too closely at you because they're going to be able to find plenty of faults. You know, we have a lot of the same problems that many lost people do because we're made out of the same flesh. Now, maybe the Lord's helped us get some victory over some of those things. But let me tell you something. None of us are like Jesus Christ yet. We are far from it. And so when we're out there and we're just you know, thinking, you know, what, what can we do to just make ourselves more appealing... We're getting them looking at us when our job is not to get them looking at us, it's to get them looking at Christ. Okay, that light that we have in us, that doesn't come from us, it comes from Jesus Christ. So we want to be get, pointing people to Him. And notice what it said in Matthew 5. It says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, why would our good works make them glorify God? Well, because of the fact that obviously we're giving glory to God. We're giving credit to God. It's clear that the works we do, they're not our works. They're His works. It's clear that the light that is in us, it's not from anything in our flesh. Because once again, you all have a lot of issues. Okay? It's clear that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But the thing is, how are lost people going to know that unless we're telling them? Okay? Unless we are actually explaining to them. See, because this is where our good works can actually help make a difference. If I'm out there spreading the Gospel like I'm supposed to, okay? If I'm, if I'm witnessing to Brother John, all right, let's assume, assume he's not saved, and I'm thinking, you know, man, I've I got to get the gospel to him. I want to see him get saved, okay? Well, it, what, the way I would do it is I'm going to go tell him the first thing we always cover is, hey, for all I have sinned, to come short of the glory of God. I'm going to tell him, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners, okay? And if he knows, you know, but maybe he, you know, a lot of times too, People think, oh, well, you're the pastor when I go out sowing. I, you know, when I was a teenager, I felt like I kind of had an extra power because people were like, man, a teenager's out doing this? It had a big impact. But then when you're a pastor, well, pastors, all, they're supposed to do that. That's just their job. They're getting paid for it, right? You know, it, it's a little bit harder. But, you know, they would, they would see that and it, it, it meant something to them. It kind of had an impact. They would see that good work. But here's the thing. When you're telling them, I'm telling Brother John, hey, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm no good, but I'm, I'm telling him about Jesus Christ. If he does see a difference in me, if he does notice something extra in me, 
if I'm t- when I'm telling him that right message, it's going to help make it more real to him. That's all it's going to do. That te- my testimony is going to make it seem more real to him. But if, and at the same time too, it should hopefully encourage him that hey, you know, if God can use him, he can use me too because we're made out of the same flesh. But sadly, with a lot of these people today that are that are promoting this lifestyle evangelism, it's all about you know what can we do to you know, live up to the standard that proves we're Christians. As if our works prove we're saved. Okay? And I've preached you know, against that before, proving that you know, our works don't prove we're saved. Okay? We're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. His works are what proves that we're saved. And we just have faith in His works. But if, we are, if we're just these really good people, okay? it's like, you know what, folks? Soul winning's too hard. I think it would be more effective if we all are just... We're just so holy. We're just so wonderful that it's just going to attract people to us. Well, here's the thing that that means, you know, we're going to have to really double down on, you know, preaching against sin, which we ought to do these things anyway. But if I, let's say I get everybody on this, you know, I I hate to make judgments and levels, but let's say I get you all at this spiritual level, all right? Okay. I picked on Brother John before. Let's say Brother John's the most spiritual guy in the church, right? He's not allowed to do anything. All right? I had him lost before and now I got him saved. He's not allowed to do anything that we like doing. He, he does all good stuff. All right? And we all get everybody to Brother John's level. All right? I mean, he, he, he doesn't even look at a TV. You know, he doesn't even, uh, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't do anything that tempts, that, you know, that tempts us. Well, the problem with that is now, you know what message we're going to be sending to people? Well, the way to be saved, the way to be a Christian is you have to throw out your TV, you know, you can never do this, you can never do that, thinking, I've got to repent of all my sins in order to be saved. But here's the problem with that. You know, you go usually find the most spiritual person in the church or that person who thinks they're the most spiritual. It doesn't take long to figure out they have problems too. It doesn't take long to figure out they're not perfect either. And what's happening, all these people... It all it becomes about all these rules. It becomes about you know just dressing this way, and, and we ought to do all those things, but only to please God. Okay, we're not doing these things, you know, as a method of evangelism. It it doesn't work. And all those people are going to do is think, all right, well, I guess if I want to go to heaven, if I start going to church, if I start dressing right, if I start doing all these things, then I'll be saved. But does that save you? Does baptism save us? Does keep doing the works save us? No, we are taught throughout the Bible that righteousness does not come from the works of the law, but it comes from faith in Jesus Christ. And if we're just all about, you know, we got to live this way and we got to do this as the method of evangelism, we're going to actually send the wrong message. It's going to end up being counterproductive. And, and many people, they are, you know, they think in their minds, I'm not capable of living that kind of life. You know, I could never go to church. You know, three times a week. You know, I would, I could never live that way. Well, you know, it's not as tough as you think. Actually, living according to the way the Bible teaches is actually easier, I think. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. I wouldn't want to live their life. But at the same time, I remember when I used to do detention home, one of the men that would often uh, teach with me, whenever he would preach to the kids, he would always like to point me out. It's like, Brother Tommy back there, he's never smoked, he's never drank. He would always name off all these things I've never done. And the kids would all just be like, oh, you know, you never did. You know, and I was like, no, I never did any of those things. And they would all just be amazed by me. 
And I, 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 had, I finally, I told him, I said, listen, you can't do that. I said, all these kids now, they're getting this idea. If I want to be saved, I got to be like him. And they're thinking it's too late. They don't have to be like me in order to get saved. I'm no better than they are. I am a product of what I was raised in. I was raised in a preacher's home. So yeah, I never drank or smoked or did any of those things. These kids, they grew up in homes of drunks and drug addicts. They are a product of what they were raised in. But you know what? They can get saved just like I did by faith in Jesus Christ and His works. And so, you know, don't bring that up. Alright? That's not, that's not how it works. And it is, it's counterproductive. I don't want people looking at me. Alright? I, I want them hearing my message though. That's what I do want them doing because uh, it, 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 these things, they all send the wrong message. Reformation does not save people. And it doesn't prove that you're saved. I say it all the time. A lot of people quit their drinking. They quit their smoking. They quit doing all the things that us Baptists don't like people doing. But they're still not saved if they never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So why would we make such a big deal about these things and use that as a method of you know, evangelizing? It doesn't work. It's not what the Bible teaches. You know, and so, and then at the same time too, well, so fine, let's just not worry about anything. Let's just not worry about doing anything. Let's not keep any of the commandments. Let's not worry about how we dress. Let's go ahead and make everything more appealing to the world. But the thing is, if we're a really bad person, then we make Christianity look bad. You know, and we, that's not what we need to do. But here's the thing. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you something here. See, here's the, here's the big thing that people miss with the whole lifestyle evangelism thing. They always get mad, you know, when preachers preach too hard and, you know, it's like, hey, we gotta, we gotta soften up on this. We gotta tread lightly because we don't wanna make Christianity look bad. We don't wanna bring reproach on the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, God forbid that we would do anything to make Jesus look bad. Well, God forbid that we would sin and make Jesus look bad. But do you all realize that actually Following Christ is going to make us look bad. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. It says, For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. You all see what Paul was saying about himself? Hey, this is what we look like to the world. He says, we are the filth. We're made of the filth of this world. Now, why is that? Paul was a good Christian. Why did people hate them so much? You know why Paul, one of the main reasons that Paul was hated was because of the fact that his preaching the gospel, it got him in trouble with law. You know, who wants to get whipped? You know, who wants to get their back bared and be beat with a whip? Who wants to get thrown in prison? Who wants to go to jail? All right, none of us want those things for ourselves, do we? That is not appealing. 
to us to see someone go to jail. Okay? Just saw a pastor friend that got deported from the country that he was in. Alright? Got, got deported. Okay? He was looked at, he was talked about like he was the filth of this world. Okay? That is what actually, you know, being a true Christian looks like many times in a world that is hostile to Christianity. And many people look at that. They'll see that Christian going to jail. They'll see that man getting deported. They'll see that pastor getting banned from a country. And they'll just like, man, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to live that. I don't want to live that kind of life. You know, that, that's horrible. That is not, that is not appealing to lost people. Do you all understand that? None of that is appealing to lost people, but is that not what we've often been called to do as Christians? Jesus said, yea, and all the, or God, yea, and all the live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. How is that appealing? That's not appealing. How is Jesus Christ appealing? What happened to Him? He was taken. He had a crown of thorns platted on Him. He was spit on. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. How is that appealing to anybody? Yet we've got these little trendies walking around saying, you know, we got to figure out how to be more appealing, you know, because we want to represent Christ and we need to be like Christ. Well, I don't know if you all realize this. Christ was not liked very much on this earth. He was hated. And even in many parts of the world today, he's still hated and rejected. And the people are hostile to that message. And where do we see in the Bible that we're supposed to figure out how to make it look hip and trendy and just likable for everybody? We don't see that in the Bible. We see in many cases that preaching the gospel, it will make us to be seen as the filth of this world. You say, why? You know, the message of Christ, it's, it's so good, it's so friendly, it's so nice. Yes, it is, but it's not made to look that way. When you say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, you just insulted billions of people. Because what about the Muslims? What about the Buddhists? You know, what about the Hindus? Well, what about them? Jesus will save them too. We all understand that the gospel is not just for Americans. It's for the whole world. But they look at it as an insult. And what do they do? I mean, they, they call us the bigots. They call us all these names. And what do we see a lot of these people doing? We see a lot of ch- churches, they, you know, they're backing off on the rhetoric. You know, they're sugarcoating the Bible message. You know, we heard you know, a while back, some of you were there for at a funeral here in town. The Southern Baptist pastor, he got up and preaches a funeral and didn't even dare mention the name of Jesus. Wouldn't give a plan of salvation. He kept talking about God. He kept talking in a way to not offend somebody if they were there and they were of another another persuasion, of another faith. Well, man, I don't you know, my goal is never to offend people, but listen, Jesus Christ is an offense. He is a rock of offense. But you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, why would we be ashamed? And people today too, they've got this attitude. You know, when they'll bring, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and they bring that up when it when they're talking about living like a Christian, looking like a Christian. That is not what that's talking about. When the Bible, when Paul said, "I am not ashamed of the gospel," he was referring specifically to the message because people are like, "That's too simple." To the Greeks, you know, it was foolishness. You know, the Jews didn't like it. You know, that's that's way too easy. You know, you you have to keep the works. But Paul said, listen, I'm suffering persecution for this message, but I'm not ashamed of this message. It makes me look bad. It makes me look dumb to one crowd. It makes me look like a nut to another crowd. But he said, I'm not ashamed of it because this is the message that gets people saved. And he didn't say anything about his lifestyle there. He talked about the message. Paul didn't say a lot of good things about himself. So we've got to understand, 
following Christ, it's going to make us look bad many times. Because we are. We're going to get put in that situation where people are publicly going to say, so what about the Muslims? You know, well, they need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll save them too, just like He saved me. What about the Jews? They need to get saved too. They need to trust in Jesus Christ. Whatever it is. But yet, that is very frowned upon today. And I think it was uh, Robert Jeffers. I think it's how you say his name. And, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of the guy. I think he's Southern Baptist or something like that. Mitt Romney was criticizing him because he spoke at something in Jerusalem because he said that, first of all, he said, I think he called Mormonism a cult or something like that, which is true. But he also basically said that if Jews don't trust in Christ, they're going to go to hell. And he was basically saying, you know, he shouldn't be allowed to speak because of that. That was true. All right, that was that, that was absolutely true. He said, if they don't trust in Christ, they are going to go to hell. That is very clear in the Bible. And yet, that man, who I think is way too soft, he has been, you know, by many people in high places, he's talked about like he's filth. He's talked about like he's such a bigot. And he's, you know, people are saying he shouldn't be allowed to speak at this and he shouldn't be allowed to do this. Why? Because he told the truth about. Jesus Christ. And people are making him look bad because of that. And so you do, and you see a lot of people there, I mean, we gotta figure out how to, you know, we gotta figure out how to look good to everybody. That is not the goal. We do not bring people to Christ by looking good and get, and, and making ourselves attractive. That is not what the Bible teaches. Turn over to John chapter 3. But lifestyle evangelism, I believe, it, in many ways, it ends up perverting the gospel. It says in John chapter 3, verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So we see here in the Bible, it talks about how the reason that people aren't believing, the reason people aren't trusting in Christ is because they love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. You see, Jesus Christ is not attractive to our flesh. Your flesh, and even if you're saved today, your flesh still doesn't want to do the things of God. There are some things, so just admit it, they're not always attractive to the flesh. Okay? And you know, sometimes they might be, but that how do I know what's the difference? Well, sometimes if you're walking in the spirit, okay, if you're walking in the spirit, you're going to want to read your Bible. If you're walking in the spirit, you're going to want to go to church. But if you're in the flesh, you're not going to want to do those things. Alright? Take your halos off. How many of you ever before you read your Bible but you didn't feel like reading your Bible? Alright? Okay, we've all been there before. How many of you ever before went to church and you didn't feel like going to church? Alright? How many feel that way today? All right. <laughs> you know, why is that? Okay, because this is not appealing to our flesh. It is to the spirit. If we're walking in the spirit, you're going to want to do these things. There have been many times I have gone out souling and I did not feel like going out souling. Okay, but there's other times I'm like, man, get me out there. I'm ready to go. What's the difference? Sometimes we're walking in the flesh. Sometimes we're walking in the spirit. Well, here's the thing: a lost person. They can only walk in the flesh. 
And the things of the Spirit are not going to be attractive to them. Jesus Christ is not going to be attractive to them. Our lifestyle that we try to live as Christians, okay, our, the commands that we try to keep, these things are not appealing to the flesh. It's not going to make the world look good. And I'm, when, when that man would go and he would tell these kids in the detention home and he would talk about all the things that Brother Tommy's never done, I never had one kid, never one, after, that got, that, after he did that, come run to me and saying, Brother Tommy, what must I do to be saved? You know what they would usually do? They would usually get disgusted. Like, what? I, I, I would never want to live that way. You know, I like doing this. I like this sin. I like, you know, I like that sin. You know, they just, the things, but all these things that he's talking about, you know, a lot of these things I do because I'm walking in the Spirit. You know, my flesh desires the same, some of the same things that theirs does. But I'm walking in the Spirit. They're not capable of that. And that all these things of the Spirit, it's not going to appeal to their flesh. Okay? What, what, what we need to do right now, what Jesus commanded us to do, is to give them the Gospel. We've got to get them to believe His words. We've got to get them to trust in the works of Jesus Christ to get them to heaven and not their own works. But if it's just all about me, if it's all about pointing people to me, and let's all just, you know, let's, let's get this place all hip and trendy and make it just attractive to this world so everybody's going to want to come here because we put on the best show in town. Well, how are we going to point them to Christ when we're using the things of the flesh? The things of the flesh are always what get them sidetracked and always get them messed up. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. See, because in the end of the day, you know, while I've never killed anybody, I've never done drugs or anything like that, I have sinned. Okay? It says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4, Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Okay? So while I haven't done those big sins, I have done other sins, and Jesus Christ came. And you know, and I have done big sins too. All right, just maybe you know, like you know, I see in the Bible where gossip is a pretty big sin. I see in the Bible where if loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment, then wouldn't it be the greatest sin to not do that? Okay. All right. Yeah, I haven't done the ones that get you thrown into prison, and you know, and a lot of those things of the flesh, but. Let me tell you something. In the eyes of God, it would be idiotic for me to compare myself with anyone. Alright? And that's what we often do. And when we do, whenever we make it about lifestyle evangelism, whenever we're making it about, you know, just living the life, you know, repenting of the, you know, whatever the pet sin is of the pastor, you know, every one of them have their own definition of what repenting of your sins is. Well, that all your sins, well, not all of them, but the big ones. Well, which ones are the big ones? Well, it's all the ones that pastor doesn't do. You know, that, those, those, are, those are the big sins there that you have to repent of. You know, what is it? Well, once again, it's not about trying to uh, you know, get them looking at us. Because you see, when, whenever we do that, it causes us to make some sins not seem like a big deal. And so what about? What about that little Catholic lady that you know is Catholic all her life and she's been being good her whole life because she wants to go to heaven. She wants to do as little time in purgatory as possible. 
So, you know, she never cussed out her neighbor. She's never killed anybody. She never smoked. The only time she ever drank was during communion. You know, that was, you know, she hasn't done any of those things. Is that sweet little old lady on her way to heaven if she's trusting in those things? Absolutely not. She needs to, she needs to understand that she is a sinner too. That she needs to trust in the Savior for her salvation. That she needs to believe the gospel. And if it's all about our lifestyle, I'm sorry, I've known some Catholics that outdo many Baptists when it comes to their lifestyle. I know some lost people that outdo some Baptists when it comes to their lifestyle. I've got, I, I've got lost co-workers that I would trust more than I would trust some Baptists. That have a better testimony. <laughs> that have a better lifestyle than some Baptists I know. But is anybody going to get saved from those things? Absolutely not. We need to understand that all sin is a big deal. And you go, you talk to most Catholics, okay? When we had the Soaring Marathon last week, a lot of, we talked to a lot of Catholics. And whenever we talk to the people and you ask them, what do you think you've got to do to go to heaven? They always say, be good. And they start naming off all the big sins. That, you know, you can't do those things. They all name the big ones. They never name the little ones. All right, why is that? You know why? Because we've got a bunch of people out there spreading the message that, you know, being a Christian, salvation is all about, you know, you living up to this standard that they've got. But the truth is, the standard is Jesus Christ. And we all come short of that. So why would I try to do something? Why as a pastor, why as a church, would we, in order to get people saved, try to promote something and build something that's all about just look at us? That is counterproductive. That is against what the Bible teaches. That is going to fail every time. All sin condemns. And when we try to point to our holy life, we're also going to have to get people to ignore some things too because our sins are there. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, in verse 2, it says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. You all see who gets saved right there? First of all, we see it's those who believe. First of all, we see that it's somebody like Abraham, who doesn't have anything to glory about. He just believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And what does the Bible say? Who is it that gets justified? That God justifieth the ungodly. So what does that tell me? That tells me that I need to be promoting myself okay, as an ungodly person that was saved. Hey, I am, I am a sinner like you. I am ungodly like you. But I got saved through faith in Jesus Christ. He'll save you just like He saved me. And you know what? I got saved like Abraham. I didn't work for my salvation. I believed on Him. I I trusted in Him. That's the message that we've got to be getting out. And we don't need to be promoting ourselves like we're just some godly thing. We're not. We are ungodly people who have been justified. Now, if while promoting that, we're living what we would call a godly lifestyle. That's, you know, that's going to help. You know, that's going to show that right there. That's what proves we love God. Okay. If you love me, keep my commandments. Not if you want to get saved, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
And here's the thing too, and I tell this, I, I bring this up with people often when I'm out soul winning. Because many people struggle. No, you, you got to do some of the works. You know, you got to turn from this and you at least got to do that. I always tell them, God wants us to love Him. That's a desire God has for us to love Him. Well, if I've got to keep this rule and this rule and this rule in order to go to heaven, then why will I be keeping those rules? Not because I love God, but because I love myself. Because I want to save my own skin. Okay? That's why God saves us with one without works. Because first off, we're not capable of good works. You know, and second of all, Jesus Christ did all the work for us. But then, at the same time, God gave us eternal security, didn't He? We cannot lose our salvation. There is nothing that we can do to lose our salvation. Many people struggle with that. And, and many people too, they'll say, well, yeah, you're saved without works, but if you don't do the works, you, know, you can end up losing your salvation. Well, if I'm able to lose my salvation, guess why I'm keeping the commandments again? To save my own skin. Because I love myself. But if I am saved, if I can know that I'm saved without works, and if I can know that I'm going to go to heaven even if I don't do any works, then there is only one reason in the world why I would do works. Because I love God. That's it. The only way that we're able to have a relationship, a loving relationship with God, where we love Him back, is if we have a salvation that comes with eternal security. If it's a salvation that is without works, that's the only way that can happen. And so, hopefully, you're here today because you love God. Hopefully, you're living a godly life today, the best of your ability, because you love God. That's why we do these things, and that's it. We do these things because we love God. You know, there's other side effects to it, but that should be the main reason we ought to be doing these things because we love God. But at the same time, I hope we remember the fact that we are ungodly. We are still ungodly, but we've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 5.12, another very common verse that we often bring up, says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. We see that we have all participated. And the Gospel shows that we are all sinners whose only hope is Jesus Christ. That's it. Our only hope is Jesus Christ. Liberty Baptist Church is not the hope of Rock Falls. Jesus Christ is the hope of Rock Falls. He is the hope of the world. Our job as Liberty Baptist Church is to spread that message, is to point people to Christ. And anything we can do to help that, it will be beneficial and lifestyle evangelism, it is, it's, it's a very slow, it's a very lazy, non-confrontational process that would never get the job done, even if people got saved from it. Turn over to John chapter 4, verse 35. John chapter 4 and verse 35. It's the last passage I want to go to. It says, Say not ye that there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. You know what that means? It means, hey, these things are ready to go. That field is grown, it's ripe, it is ready to harvest. You know what? Obviously, not every person out there is just ready to get saved. Said so there are some people, it's going to take a while. All right? You know, you mentioned in China, they have so little exposure to the things of God, you know, some of these people, it is going to take a while. But let me tell you something. In America, we have people that are ready to go. They are, the fields are white. They are ripe. They are ready to harvest. There are people 
that are, sit, that are sitting in churches all over this community that want to go to heaven. They want to know that they're going to heaven, but you know what? They've never been taught how to know they're on their way to heaven. Many of them, while they've been exposed to the Bible, they hear preaching from the Bible, they hear talk about Jesus, none of them have ever shown them how salvation is a free gift that lasts for all eternity. I am, I mean, I am horrified at how many church-going people there are in this community that have no idea whether or not they're going to heaven. But the thing is, because they've been exposed to so much Bible, because they've heard so much about Jesus Christ, and many of them are seeking after righteousness, when we come to their door and we show them, hey, you can know that you're saved today, and we show them from the Bible, man, they're, they're ready. I mean, they are ready to go. They are ready to believe it. They've been looking. They've been searching because, you know, accidentally they've gotten a lot of stuff. And in many cases, on purpose, some of them, have, they've read their Bibles. But they're like that Ethiopian eunuch. They just need someone to teach them. They, need, they just need a little bit of help. And we're there. We are ready to go. But when it comes to just, you know, living, living the life, that's going to take a long time. It's going to take a really long time. And why would we do that? We don't, we don't live in China. We don't live in Afghanistan and places like that. We live in a place where we can have a church, we can put up a sign, we can put around the phone book, we can put stuff on the website, we can knock on people's doors, we can pass street corner and call people names, you know, and preach the gospel in this country. We are able to do these things. Why in the world would we turn to this lifestyle evangelism? Let me tell you what's going to happen if churches back away from what God commanded them to do. Before long, it's going to end up being like in China. They're already trying to do things to silence us and, and to, you know, to just slow this down. And if Christians start backing off, we're going to find ourselves in the same boat. And I think that's a huge waste of time. We have a great opportunity here in America. And so we do. We want to, we want to get these people saved. But most people today, they're just, they're just looking to make religious proselytes. That's the main goal. You know, and... Jesus talked about, you know, you'll come past sea and land and make one proselyte, you'll make him twofold more a child of hell. Why, why, why is that? Because they're teaching these people, these proselytes they're going after, they were teaching them, hey, you know, we want you to be one of us. That means you do this, you do that, you know, you do all these things, you follow all these religious practices. Well, what does religious practices often make people do? It makes it even harder to get them saved. That sweet old Catholic lady that's been doing her thing for years and years, they are very, very difficult to get saved. Very difficult. I would rather go find the blank slate somewhere. I would rather, I would rather, you know, find that person. They're a lot, they're a lot easier. But here's what, here's why people want these proselytes. One, it makes us look better. But two, it's because many of these people don't really believe that they're getting saved because they don't have works. But listen, the Bible is very clear. Salvation is not of works. Justification is not about our works, it's about the works of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said the fields were wide already to harvest. And I believe Jesus harvested way more than the 120 that were with him at the end. I believe there were thousands of people that got saved. Just because he didn't have a big, massive church doesn't mean none of those people got saved. Jesus said while he was doing his ministry, the fields are wide already to harvest. And I believe they, I believe they harvested a lot of souls during that time he walked this earth. And lifestyle evangelism is an attractive method to people who are just lazy, they're timid, they're desperate to be loved by the world. 
But the Bible is very clear the world is not going to love us. It's just not going to happen. And we've not been called to make them love us. And we've got to get back to doing the things the way that God intended you know, and, and commanded. That's very clear in the Scriptures. And that's go out and preach the Gospel to every creature. I am. I am. After what I heard this morning, I'm just ashamed of our efforts. It is so easy for us to do what we do in America and we don't take advantage of it. That, that's such a shame that we're not going to... I mean, we, we, ought to, we ought to be ashamed by that. And to think that people in this country are the, the ones promoting all this other junk that's getting people to back off what God commanded us to do, it, it doesn't make any sense. It seems like that would come from other countries where you, you've, you, you can understand why somebody would maybe compromise a little bit when they're being threatened by jail and prison. But in our country, we're not, threatened, we're not threatened by these things. And yet, we're buckling left and right in this country. Lord have mercy on churches in America. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. And thank God for people who are in these other parts of the world where they don't have their freedom, where they have to do things in secret. They have to do things quiet. You know, thank God for that. That, that means a ton. And I, 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 hope, I hope this message helps. If you were here... Uh, for Sunday school, I hope you're ashamed of yourself. I, I know I am, uh, for sure. And we, we ought to be because we do, we have a great opportunity. We have a great we have a wide open door that the devil would love to close. And you know what? Eventually, it probably will close. So you know what? While we have this opportunity, we need to take advantage of it and not soften up on this stuff. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this our country. Dear God, it's so easy to just see the perversion and wickedness that goes on in this country and get pretty disgusted. But dear God, I'm thankful we do still have the religious freedom that we do in this country, that we do have the ability to, to go soul winning and to uh, you know, spread the gospel however, however we see fit. Dear God, I, I thank you for that. Dear Lord, I pray you'll help us to uh, take advantage of it. I pray that we will uh, jump on every opportunity. I pray that you know, other churches will continue doing the same thing. So we don't lose, Lord. I don't want it to become uh, like it is in other countries. I want us to be able to enjoy these freedoms until your return. And I pray you'll help us to uh, to stay faithful to these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's